Hello and welcome to Romance Isn't Dead, episode 39, where Cupid's arrows occasionally get hijacked. Ray, how are we doing? Um, still as insane as I was at the end of last week's episode, or last time's episode, mostly because they're being recorded on the same day. Well, you know, we do, we do what we do, what we do, you know, we yeah. do what we do, but we it's are, we are y'all, this, by the way, I'm Sally. Uh, we are in the midst of the coronavirus here in the States and in the UK. And I think Ray is a little more tied down than I am, but I'll, I, I'll be honest with you. My state, the governor said, you know, you need to stay home or go to work and try not to do anything else. But I was on the road yesterday to get some essential things and traffic looked like normal traffic to me. So I don't think anybody's paying attention. So well, that's the thing. I mean, here it's, I was talking with my mum yesterday. I thought it was, it seemed so, there was something really familiar about how quiet it was. Mm-hmm. And it took me until yesterday afternoon because we're actually in the middle of a really good, for the first time in years, we're actually having a really good Easter weekend. Mm-hmm. We get a four-day weekend at Easter. I don't, you don't, I don't think. Well, I'm a teacher, yeah. so I get spring break next week. Yeah. Thank God. So we, get, <laughs> we have a, a four-day weekend over mm-hmm. Easter. We have the Friday and the Monday off. And for the first time in a long time, we're actually having really good weather. Mm-hmm. That's good. And the problem with it is they're terrified that it's going to mean that people go out. I'm lucky in that I'm immunocompromised, so I'm not supposed to do very much. So I have actually been indoors apart from to go and get an injection for my wonderful condition last week, uh, week before last week, week before last on the 30th. I haven't actually been outside the house in five weeks. Wow. 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 So I'm going, I'm by the time this airs, it will be seven weeks. Wow. Mm. Mm. And I'm on my own, so you can imagine. Very frustrating. It is incredibly frustrating, but then I think about it in respect of my mum has got no immune system at all mm-hmm. because she's just just finished having chemo. And I'm doing this for granted my own health in many ways but also for people like her Mm -hmm. so if you are listening to this and you are thinking oh yay I can go out please don't unless you really have to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no but as I was saying the sounds and everything around here are very reminiscent of my childhood very reminiscent we grew up um in the 70s and 80s there were a lot more houses that had no cars than had one and there were the number of houses that had two cars, you could count on one hand. Wow. That's crazy to me. I grew so up in the my country. Ro- but... my road, yeah, my roads normally absolutely, I mean, I've got my windows open. And normally when we're recording, I have to close them because the number of cars that go by is so many. Mm-hmm. Not one car has gone by in the last two hours. So people, at least there, are paying attention to stay-at-home orders. Yes, which is lovely. Hmm. Well, the noise, the lack of noise is lovely, should I say. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about that. People paying attention to orders. We don't do that in South Carolina. Yeah, well, I think it's because they're now going to start, I think um, they started talking about finding people who really do go out their first car of the day that actually go full out and ignore the rules and regulations are going to start getting fined. Uh-huh. 
So if that's the only way they can get people to follow the rules, then that's the only way they can get people to follow the rules. Well, I mean, it is what it is, right? That that, that happens. So Yeah, and now they're saying they don't think that this our way of life is going to return to normal until at least the end of the year. And we're only in freaking April. Um, I have not heard that at all from, from my government, but my government is a different animal than yours. Yeah, RPM so... has literally just gone out, of, got out of ICU. So he's been apparently quite ill with the virus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think our, I think our take on it may well be different anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I would imagine so. And we have not really had powerful people. That's not true. We've had a couple senators. But... Um, yeah, we didn't want them go out and spread it after he had it. Yes. That hit the news over here. <laughs> well, he he found out... Or he, he was having a test done, but did not quarantine himself while waiting on the results. And went ahead and went to senatorial things, so on and so forth, and therefore exposed other senators to the virus, some of whom who of whom have immunocompromised spouses, children, things like that. He did not win a bunch of friends. No, I don't imagine he did. I imagine but, he's also going to lose a lot of votes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think he's from Kentucky, so who knows. Oh. And he's not up for re-election this year, I don't think. I think his other... Mitch is, so we'll see. Anyway, let's move along. Today, Cupid's Arrows. Last time, if you tuned in, we talked about Clueless. The next year, they came out with a period adaptation of Jane Austen's Emma. So this is Emma from 1996. And they've come out with a version of Emma for 2020, which Ray's not super interested in, but I may actually tune into. the This specific one starred Gwen Paltrow, and I will be honest with everyone. I love period pieces. So do I. I uh, love my, fa- my favorites are Merchant Ivory, so um, Room with a View which I think at some point we need to do that adaptation of a room with a view and the book. I did, I did, uh, did my second year dissertation on my, for my degree on a room with a view. I love that book with an absolute passion, but the movie. uh, See, now that I think that we're actually going to agree on this one, we are going to at some point have to cover room with a view, the book and the movie. Oh, I loved it so much. Yeah, so did I. But we're not talking about Room with a View today. We need to remember that. We are talking about Emma. And do you want to know a funny fact about Emma, 1996 version? What's that? At the same time as they came out with the movie, they um, the BBC also did an Emma adaptation starring Johnny Lee Miller. And I think it was, oh, why can I never remember her name? She looks like Rachel Weisz. Um... And I'm completely going blank. It's awful. I can't remember her name. She's really, really famous. Very, very famous. <laughs> <laughs> and I cannot remember her name. So, Emma. This is bad. I can't remember her name. Always shows the... There we go. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was Ramola Gam... Uh, 
that was the 2009 version there was another one before that but there have been quite a few adaptations of emma a lot actually of emma it's probably one of the most adapted movies there is i'd say really one of the most ad- um, adapted Jane Austens. Mm-hmm. We have several different versions, TV, radio adaptations. There was one not that long ago. There have been, I mean, there have been two movie adaptations in the last 20 years. No, well, 24 years. Yeah, here we go. But there have been a lot. Oh, God. I'm now trying to find it. It was 19... Was it? It's amazing, though, if you think about it. This... It was Kate Beckinsale. Yes, it was Kate Beckinsale played Emma in the 1996 TV version of it. Interesting. With Mark Strong as Mr. Knightley. I'm going to have to check that out. I think it's on... I think this is the version that is on Netflix. For you? No, I think for you. Because I can watch both. (laughs) I can watch you at Netflix. And Canadian Netflix. And Australian Netflix. And French and German Netflix. She is... (laughs) So, so smug. smug about some things. I mean, okay. Not, so much, not much, come on. But Okay, so let's move along here. Um, <laughs> Wait, we were talking about Emma before well, we got waylaid by the wonder that is Room with a View, which is one of my all-time favorite adaptations of yes. That era, I absolutely love that film. The scenery is stunning. The characterization is stunning. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. We were talking about Emma. Okay, Emma, y'all, y'all. I love Emma. I texted. To, I texted Ray to... immediately after watching it and saying I loved Emma. Emma, and. You know, I think that Emma as a character, Emma Woodhouse. She's is, imper- She's imperfect perfection. She That's what she is, is. She is. She's she's well-meaning, but she's the definition of some sort of privilege, right? She's the highest well, of the highest. That's what she constantly says. She, In fact, when she's talking with Harriet, who is her tie from mm-hmm. Clueless of your last yeah. episode, when she's talking with her and they say, oh, well, why aren't you married? And she says, oh, well, a woman in my position doesn't have to get married to hold respect. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And in some, in some ways, it kind of reminds me, the thing about, how, how do I want to put this? She needs to be reminded sometimes that she doesn't know everything and that she's not she she makes mistakes. She's human. That's what she Knightley is there for. And Knightley is the one who reminds her, which I think would bother people who are super feminist. Um, that they that they're like that Knightley maybe would remind her, but you know what? 
that's okay for me. And, and I too don't have a problem with nightly reminding her because again, this was written originally in the 1800s. Yeah. I like the early 1800s. So I just don't have a problem with it. But this also reminds me again of the timelessness of this narrative of this coming of age story for a young woman and Emma's 21. And so it is a coming of age story for her, right? I mean, and and to be fair, um, to be fair, in 1815, 21 would be considered definitely, yeah, definitely time to be getting married. <laughs> chop, chop. Uh, you're you're not going to be able to get married if you don't get married soon. And well, her, so, I mean, her sister's married, and her sister's married to Knightley's brother John, and they have a child together, right? And I mean, this this is a very circular film yes because yes. it starts with a wedding it ends yes that emma t- takes responsibility for right she's like oh look my matchmaking was successful because until i introduced them he had no intention of marrying right right but because of this misleading i think slightly misleading belief in her own abilities to matchmake she decides to, in the same way as Cher does, take somebody else under her wing mm-hmm. and offer her somewhat impaired advice. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and she does not... Yeah, she doesn't understand. Like, the Harriet's... Um, Harriet's first beau mr martin the farmer yeah the thing is what i think what emma forgets is that how she she is judging everybody on her own scale and not thinking about the social mores of certain aspects Mm -hmm. because remembering i mean harriet is probably and this is not a term that i use lightly and it's horrible but it's the only way to describe it she's a bastard yeah she's a bible right yeah so nobody's claimed her as theirs they're not going to take her um give her a debut or anything else right right and she doesn't have any money behind her and that i think is what emma is forgetting or she wants to she wants to make such a grand match for a friend that you know she doesn't she's forgetting the social mores right and she's also not appreciating what Harriet wants right and and Emma has such a strong personality that she just sort of overrides what Harriet and Harriet for her for her place doesn't have a strong enough personality to stand up to Emma and say no Emma this is not this is what I want I love this man I like this man and he like she needs to be stronger too yeah I think that there's also an element of she feels so honored Mm-hmm. that someone of Emma's position is paying that kind of attention to sure. her, that she is misguidedly believing Emma, because of her social position, knows what she's talking about, and she really doesn't. Right, right. And then, by the end of the movie, Harriet's like, oh, I love Mr. Knightley. And it's and it's just like, oh, secondhand embarrassment, because it, Knightley is a gentleman. Um, yeah, but Knightley is not interested in Harriet, and and it, in fact has really scolded Emma earlier in the film for telling 
Harriet to turn down Mr. Martin because he's like, no, 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 this is an excellent match for her. Be realistic. And but that's the thing. I don't think Emma understands that reality has to play some sort of part in it. Marriage was never really about love. And this is something that Austin really introduced into the so the societal commentary with Pride and Prejudice mm. and with a lot of her others in that she introduced love as an element to the story. Right. right. Because it was they're marrying for for um position, they're Status. marrying for money. Yeah. For, yeah, exactly. And to consolidate power. Precisely. Lady Jane Grey. Anyway, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Another Lady Jane Grey. Oh, I love that film. Yeah. I know, right? Another Helena Bonham Carter film. Okay, yeah, moving I care, on. Oh, Carrie Elwes. Oh, he was lovely in that film. Yes, but we digress. Emma. We can't help it. See, we're talking about movies from the 80s and early 80s and early 90s here. And that is our era. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. But it's fun. It's totally fun. So yeah. did you like it? Oh, I loved it. I, um, I mean, for me, this was my this was my stage of um, Jeremy Northam. Mm -hmm. He, even though he was the assassin in the net, I still wanted him really badly. Um, no judgment. But he was the perfect Mister Knightley. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen a fair few of them. I've seen a lot of the adaptations, and he is my favorite Mister Knightley by far. Mm -hmm. there is something broody about him but he at the same broody. time you can, you can at the same time you can see an element of humor in his expression when he's listening to emma talking out of her rear end mm -hmm. but he also takes her to task when she does something wrong like that i felt so awful and i felt so uncomfortable for everybody there so much secondhand embarrassment when she was talking to Miss Bates mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at the picnic mm -hmm. yeah. and she insulted her. I mean, she had been, she had sort of mentioned to other people, she was quite indiscreet in her criticisms of the Bates, especially the younger Miss Bates, mm -hmm. but only with um, Harriet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then with Harriet, very, very soon after they met, she was quite, um, upfront in offering her opinions however when she when the game was suggested by frank churchill at this picnic that they were all attending mm -hmm. she was brutal mm -hmm. and that seemed so out of character mm -hmm. for her that i felt a lot of secondhand mm -hmm. embarrassment and Knightley was right to call her out on that occasion. Mm -hmm. He wouldn't have been any kind of friend to her had he not mentioned it. Mm -hmm. And that I think that was the turning point for not only their relationship, but also his her realisation that she cared for him. Right. The, the, and he's able to make her see things that maybe she wouldn't otherwise, couldn't otherwise. Yeah. I think he makes her aware of her faults. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing when you are under the impression that when everybody is telling you you are perfect. I mean, she's got 
Um, Elton, again, plays into Clueless because he is, oh, God. Alan Cumming was so convincing. It's the creepy little. He does a really good job with those creepy roles like that. The creepy suitor roles. He does such a good job with those things. Do you know, the funny thing was the first time I ever saw Alan Cumming, he was playing opposite his wife of the time Mm -hmm. in Hamlet on stage Mm -hmm. at a local theater. Oh, wow. Um, That is my favorite play of all time, just so you know. um, He played the creepy bookkeeper in um, Circle of Friends. Also a movie I loved. Um, I love the book. uh, I like the book, too. I I like the book, too. Um, So, anyway, but he played the creepy bookkeeper, right? Yeah. (laughs) So... um, It's It's quite interesting how she portrays all men of the clergy that way though mm-hmm. yeah. because look at yeah yeah because look mean. at how she portrays him in pride and prejudice i'd have to go back and look at it again sorry um, it's her cousin it, it makes you oh okay yeah you're right you ends up married to charlotte yes that's right um you know what it makes you wonder if that's what she saw <laughs> You know what I mean? Well, you remember, I mean, she was, she never married Jane Austen. Right. They say that she had a very, very tragic love affair, but she was a woman in a man's world. Mm -hmm. And she was making a commentary on her perception of society Mm -hmm. as a woman. Which was unusual, to say the very least. Unusual. Well, it was very unusual, but then, of course, it was at the same similar time to the Brontes. Right. Who, and George Eliot, for that matter, but George Eliot obviously wrote under a man's name. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important. I think it's interesting. Um, but I, I do maintain that this whole notion of... Um, Jane Austen's stories and a lot of these classic romances, even... Shakespearean stuff there is a certain timelessness to them that you know we can watch these movies we can read these books in the 21st century and still enjoy them and still find things to relate to and as I was saying to you last week my oldest daughter really really loved Pride and Prejudice the the 2005 version which is not Ray's favorite but she really enjoyed that version of of Pride and Prejudice and it was this romance that she really enjoyed. So to me, I think there's a lot of value in that in and of itself. And that's Austin can create romantic heroes. She can. I think that's what it is. Austin can create the romantic hero and he jumps off. The thing is, even in the book, he jumps off the page and you, I mean, that's why Mr. Darcy has had such a, has such a cult following in many ways is because he is this classic hero. Okay, but let me say this too. I think she also knows how to create a romantic heroine who is flawed and relatable, but still Mm. likable for people who are reading. Does that make sense? yeah, I think with um, Pride and Prejudice especially, it is it has a lot to do with the fact that they surround her with so-called perfection. Mm-hmm. 
but that's the but perfection is the is the public face the public societal face and so with emma for instance we get to go behind that public perfect face and realize she's not so perfect after all and you know that that i think makes her relatable and likable does that make sense Title sense. So, anyway. Well, is there anything else you wanted to say about the movie, Emma, aside from the fact that maybe you should watch it if you have had the opportunity? I do think you should watch it. Um, We will gloss over the fact that it was a Miramax production, therefore Harvey Weinstein's name is in the credits. Mm. Ignore that. He had very little to do with the film. It was written. What we did find quite interesting was the Mm. fact that the entire thing was written and produced and directed by men, the entire thing. Very weird to me. Very, yeah, very weird me to me. too. Unlike Clueless, which had, you know, it was female-helped. So that was interesting. Very interesting. And I would like to see, and that's, uh, um, Ray isn't keen on the casting for the new 2020, Emma, but I think I'm going to watch that too at some point soon. So, anyway. Well, it's available in loads of places because, of course, it had its release Mm-hmm. A very, very shortly before everything happened, and like a lot of films, it has now had an online release. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. It was in the cinema for a while. Yeah, for you know, fifteen twenty minutes, and then, yeah, and, and then, then the world every, changed. And everything happened, and all the cinema shut down. Right, and they've pushed Black Widow back to November, and all that. Jazz. Oh, I know, mm-hmm. but it's it's better they push it back to November than it doesn't get shown at all or it goes straight to agreed dvd and doesn't make enough money therefore they justify the fact that it was a female-led yeah. movie yeah and, which has you know. nothing to do with it all right okay so where can people find you people can find me on twitter at allaboutray.com I was going to say .com, but it's not. It's just at all about Ray. Um, I post random stuff about my cat and coffee. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember what day of the week it is, uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is mostly at the moment. I woke up this morning. It's like, oh, it must be Sunday today because I was off yesterday. And then I remembered that we had Friday off. So it totally threw me. Mm -hmm. Um, And they can also find me at allaboutray.wordpress.com I will be slightly more active there now because I've got time to write and of course they can find us at ISN Romance on Twitter perfect 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 if you are looking to talk to me I'm Palmetta Blue on Twitter and Instagram and how would you like to sign out this lovely day I would like to sign out with keep on searching for your happily ever after. And I would remind you that romance isn't dead. It's alive and well on your bookshelf and maybe even on your television screen. Bye. Bye.